Hey loves, I'm Constance of the Sovereign Goddess Podcast, and today we are with Angela. Angela comes from as free as you can see. What I love about what she does is that she helps women to take their narcissistic abuse trauma and to transform it into their power in business. So now let's get right to it. So Angela, could you tell me about yourself and what led you to becoming a coach, a healer? I actually started out as not really knowing what I wanted to do with my business. Um, I had overcome some pretty um, hard things like depression and anxiety and I didn't know if what I was going to do with my business I initially thought that I was just going to make all this money online and then that was going to be enough and then it didn't actually like work out that way at all and then um, when I finally started to heal more and more and what I mean by heal more and more I had yes I had overcome anxiety and depression but I hadn't dealt with any of my sexual trauma that had taken place when I was a child. I hadn't um, dealt with any of it when I was an adult. And so when I got pregnant unexpectedly with my daughter, I had to start really addressing some demons that I had not dealt with and was trying to avoid. And when I finally decided that I needed to heal those, even though I don't really think it was a decision I think it was forced. And then I started, um, when I started healing that, I realized how important it is for women to heal sexual trauma and heal trauma in general. And then that's what made me um, decide that I wanted to be a coach and wanted to be a healer. When I had finally come across this certain threshold probably, I don't know, maybe a year after healing, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to give back to women because I want women to know that it's possible that they can heal from this trauma that had taken place in their childhood that ultimately affects their adulthood and we don't realize it. So that's kind of, that's what happened in a nutshell. Not many people know this about me, but I have a little bit of sexual trauma from my childhood. Is it just that you find yourself over and over again, just because of that one instance where you had to be quiet, that you feel like you have to be quiet about all your pain throughout the rest of your lifetime? Because growing up around that, you are taught that you can't talk about it. It is, for me, it was very similar to that. Um, I actually didn't know, I don't want to say this, but I mean, this is what I was thinking when I was at that time. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't understand why I couldn't trust men, why I was always manipulating them and being, I was a jerk to them all the time. And I didn't understand why until I had flashbacks and memories of it coming forward like 27 years after it finally happened. And when it did happen, I was just like, oh, there's no way that this affects me. There's, there's no way that you know, something that happened that long ago is impacting my life. And then when I started to realize that it was, in fact, impacting my life, that I um, felt like I did have to keep it a secret for a long time, because it was, you know, it's, and my sister knows this now, it was my sister's father. So for me to have to make sure that I stay quiet, 
and not tell anybody affects you. You don't, because you don't know how that information is going to hurt the other people around you. And so you kind of stay quiet. And I was actually, now that I have like memories and flashbacks, I was actually groomed to stay quiet for a really long time because it happened over, I think, a three or four year span. So the whole secret keeping that you have to do as a child is just, it's so sad and it's so hard. And I know that there are other women that have experienced something very similar to that. It means so much to me that you bring that up and you talk about it and you go like into depth about it so others can feel safe to, you know, actually tap into those emotions. What was it like comparison to now being in that sexual trauma, having it, holding on to it? Like I know for me, I ended up outside of my own body. I was more concerned about the entire world. And then once I started healing it, I was able to be within my body. But I was curious, what was it like for you? So for me, I actually would black out right before it would happen. And actually, a lot of women experience this. I would actually come out of my body. You have that out of body experience. You disassociate is the technical term, but you disassociate. And I was, I would totally black out. And then when I started healing, when I remembered what had happened, um, none of the details actually came in for a very, very long time. Um, Actually, I think the details of what happened had just come in like within this last year. And it's pretty gruesome. And that I'm really happy actually that I did disassociate and that I did black out because I don't think that when I finally remembered what happened, I don't think I would have been able to handle the memories of it. So I'm glad that our body naturally does the disassociation and keeps us safe that way. But as as I healed more and more, I have been able to come back into my body. Um, It's taken me a long time to learn to come back into my body and be present and feel like it's okay to be present and safe in my body at the same time. It's taken me a long time to learn that it's okay to be in this vessel that I've been blessed with and that, you know, nothing is going to happen like that again. It's taken a really long time to learn how to be safe in my body again. I love that you bring up how it's completely natural that we black out. It's that, um, I know there's a, I can't think of the book. It has like a tiger on it that talks about that. I don't know if you read that. And they talk about how deer, when they are scared, or almost hit by a car, they shake it off. And we don't do that as human beings. I was wondering, what did you do to shake that off and get yourself back into your body? And is there anything you recommend for people to do to start doing that? I want to be really honest about what I was doing before to quote unquote, shake it off. And that was a lot of partying and a lot of drinking and a lot of, a lot of doing really stupid stuff, stuff that's like highly, I don't want to say it's inappropriate because I mean, I was having fun, but it's not something that when I look back on it now, it's not something that I would choose to do to shake it off now. So I was just really avoiding trying to escape everything and trying to pretend that there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. When I started to heal, 
the first thing that I really started to do was pick up a journal and write. I didn't, um, I wasn't very good at sitting still. So like meditation has been something that I've had to learn how to do. Um, it wasn't something that came natural for me. I was really one of those people that like sat there and forced myself to like meditate quietly for five minutes and it was a joke. So I never like, I don't, I don't necessarily tell people to jump into meditation if it's not something that you find easy to do or something that you find natural. So I always say to journal and that's what I've always done. Journaling has been my lifesaver and I still do it like every single day um, to this day because you can just get everything out that you need to express and you need to say things that, you know, you don't necessarily want to tell everybody because we're afraid of being rejected and judged and stuff like that, but you get to write it in this journal. And so that was very much a lifesaver for me. I love that because journaling is very powerful. I found that too. You can go like layers and layers deep, just writing there with yourself, just being with yourself. It's holding space for yourself, which is oh so difficult because maybe no one did that for you in the beginning and you've spent all your life holding space for others. Right. Yeah. And that, I feel like that holding space for yourself is like the most critical thing that you can do. And sometimes I feel like we get into this notion or this idea that holding space for ourselves means that we have to be in this silent room of doing nothing and just allowing ourselves to cry and let it out. When really, I'm, if we're not ready to just hold space with ourselves and our emotions like that, we can use journaling as a form to hold space for ourselves. There's so many options. And, and just knowing that, you know, like you mentioned, you may have not had anybody that was holding space for you. And I know that in my house, even without the sexual trauma in my house, it was not, you were not allowed to think, you were not allowed to feel, you were not allowed to even express anything that was going on with you. So when you have all these emotions and things going on as an adult, and you don't know how to express them, you're not going to just sit in a room and allow yourself to cry. You do have to feel like you're doing something that kind of feels like you're not necessarily holding space or you're not necessarily allowing yourself to feel, I think, because you know, I had all that conditioning about you're not allowed to feel, you're not allowed to think at all. And so, you know, we just kind of went through the motions of life, whatever that was when I was a child. And then we don't even realize that we're choosing those unhealthy relationships that make us forget about ourselves again, too. Yeah, I've, <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because, so I've actually had my fair share of very toxic relationships and I actually just got out of one that was so toxic and I thought that after I healed you know I wasn't going to be in toxic relationships anymore that I wasn't going to have the same issues if you will that I had had in previous relationships and what had happened is is that even though I had healed I still struggled to trust myself and trust my intuition and trust those red flags that are going off and I'm just thinking no it's my ego it's my ego I'm just in fear I don't 
want to be in this relationship because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm creating this whole story as to why I'm wrong. And then of course, you know, I realized how right I was. So I feel like even though we do heal and we do go through this whole process of uh, being aware of ourselves and looking at ourselves in the mirror and reflecting and doing better doesn't mean that we don't still have these layers that we have to dig up in order to be in healthy relationships because a lot of our unhealthy relationships well all of our our relationships are really there to just heal us but you think that when you heal that everything else is going to be fixed if you will and it doesn't actually happen like that unless you realize that you, the most important thing or most important person that you can trust is yourself. And if you're ignoring all the red flags and ignoring your body and things that you know that are safe for you, then you're naturally going to end up in toxic relationships again, no matter how hard you try. I'm so happy you brought up the trust part. I was going to bring that up. It's, it definitely is that creating that trust within yourself, that being able to trust your intuition again. I know for me, what helped me with that was working with tarot cards, working with a pendulum. What helped you with your intuition? Um, I did, I did Oracle cards helped a lot. I was, it's funny that you bring that up because I was just telling um, a client to start using them if she felt called to use them to help her connect with her intuition and connect with that guidance so and that's what really helped me um but truthfully even though I had gotten really good at listening to that voice that is there and, and trusting that voice that was there there is nothing with a lesson compared to what I have learned in the last year in that relationship of of trusting myself like it just doesn't compare I did the oracle cards to help trust myself I listen to myself, follow those nudges that I get, um, you know, just really listening, listening and honoring my body and doing those things that helped me. Yes, but nothing compared to the lesson that I learned about trusting myself in this last relationship where I was, you're going to trust yourself now, or you're going to continue to be in the same BS cycle that you've been in for the last year. And so when I finally learned that lesson or learned that that's what I was being taught, I was like, oh my gosh, we are not doing this again. We are not. And so now, now, especially like as being an entrepreneur, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's feast or famine. Sometimes things are going really well and sometimes they're not. And before I would freak out about everything. And now I'm like, no, I'll be taken care of. I'm not even going to stress out about things that do not matter at all. And so having that lesson in place has been very helpful. I don't recommend people go out and seek wrong relationships to heal those certain things. Um, but, you know, you can do things like follow those nudges, you do the oracle cards and just develop that intuition with yourself so that you are listening to red flags, no matter how uncomfortable it might be for you to listen to them. Yeah, I used to know that something was wrong, but I wanted to follow through and prove myself wrong. And that never worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yes. <laughs> I had a feeling you would know. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to go down this 
road to add in here, but I was thinking about, because I haven't talked about this yet, how um, you can stop doing that pattern as far as the relationships go. And then all of a sudden you want to create those situations while you're trying to have healthy relationships. And that's the narcissist fleas that come up. Yeah, um, actually, that's really interesting that you bring that up because my, so, and this is, to me, this is connected to self-sabotage. And my favorite way to self-sabotage is in relationships. And I actually have done this a few times. That's how I ended up with Aubrey's dad, because I would be doing so well in my business. I'd be feeling like proud and like successful and things are going really well. And then I would be like, all right, I need to date. And I don't know like whatever made me feel that way about like, I need to go date. And it's like, why? I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. Okay. I'm not very good at it. And every time I do something stupid always ends up happening. And so I never understood why I would be on this road of success and feeling really good about my business. And then being like, well, I'm going to go date. I'm going to go get in this cycle of narcissism, self-sabotage, whatever it is. I didn't understand what it was at the time. And then I would be pissed off at myself when I was in the relationship or dating. And I'd be like, what am I doing? I don't actually want this. I want to focus on myself. I want to focus on my business. It's going really well right now. I don't actually want this, but then I would end up in like a rabbit hole. I'd end up, you know, I ended up uh, with Aubrey. And then when I stopped doing that for a couple of years, and then I decided I needed to date and I did the exact same cycle. And I think it's just because I had not fully decided that I was worthy. I had not fully decided that I could trust myself. I hadn't fully decided that I was enough because I needed some type of distraction, I guess. I don't know. It's been the weirdest thing that I've picked up on that I do um, as far as cycles go, because even now that I'm single and I'm feeling really good about my business and the direction that it's going and, you know, my business is sustainable and I'm excited about that. I do still have this internal battle now that I'm aware of it, thank goodness, but I have this internal battle where I'm like, well, I'm going to go, like, I need to go rebound instead of focusing on my business. And I'm like, whoa, we're not doing any of that. We are focusing on what matters. We are going to not do the same cycle that we were doing before now that we're fully aware of it because I'm not going to go into that self-sabotaging, defeating behavior that I was seeking that was necessary for like, I think like the last three or four years of my life. So it's weird that it's weird that we do these cycles, but I also think it's because this they're not something that we're as aware of them until it, they kind of hit us in our, in our faces, basically. And then we're like, well, this is not, this is not what I want to do. I cannot go back to the same type of relationship. If I want a man that is going to respect me and, and be good to me and my daughter and things like that, then I cannot continue to be down the same path or in the same cycle that I was before, because I'm just going to continue to get the same results where I'm with these narcissistic men and I can't figure out why. Well, I mean, I know, I know why now, but 
it's like, you know, I, I don't want to be in that same pattern ever again. And so I'm glad that I'm aware of it, but I feel like we do these self-defeating behaviors because we don't know how to pull ourselves out of the cycle sometimes until we get hit in the face. I agree. It's kind of like we're used to living in a hurricane, the sunshine, and then we're waiting for the storm. And if the storm isn't there for us, then we start to create it. Like you're talking about within yourself, you start having these conflicts inside of yourself. And you're like, I need to take that dive back down to rock bottom because it's like, we also don't believe that we deserve the good things and we don't know how to receive the good things. I don't know if you had to also learn how to um, create safety for yourself too, before you could accept safety. Yeah, so that's, that's actually really huge that you bring that up. Um, safety is by far, and anybody that I've, I talk about it a lot, without safety, we have virtually nothing. And, and that means, that doesn't mean like just in your physical world with having a roof over your head and having, uh, having a bed and having food and having those things. Yes, we want to have those things because without those basic necessities, we are, we go into, we go into survival mode to make sure that we have those things to begin with. But even in our internal world, in order for us to ever be able to feel like we're safe, we have to for well it's a whole process first of all it's not something that just you all of a sudden realize that you don't feel safe in your body but it's something that you have to learn how to create and a lot of it starts with um, rewiring and resetting your nervous system and then once you kind of get that in get that down and start to realize that you want to put your body back into its divine state then you start shifting things like your mindset and creating um, um creating safety a safe space for holding space for emotions and doing those things but if you do not internally feel safe you will never be able to actually receive and what do i mean by like receiving i mean receiving compliments receiving love receiving anything and everything that you truly desire from anybody because you don't actually feel safe. And then you end up in these relationships that are not safe at all, which I just experienced completely. But you really must learn to be safe in your body so that you can receive, so that you can receive from a partner and so that you can receive essentially from the universe. Because if you are not learning how to allow yourself to surrender, and let go of control, then everything is always going to feel like it's chaos. Everything is always going to feel like you're having a bad day or something is always happening, right? Like it's always this way. It's this is my life. This is the way that it is. And it's because we are creating this, our own storm in this chaos, because we don't realize that we're not feeling safe in our bodies. We're not feeling safe in our relationships, we're not feeling safe in receiving compliments, even if it's just from like another woman walking down the street, we automatically might go into this story of, well, she's not really, she's just being nice, she's just telling me those things. And so we continue to create unsafety because we're really essentially afraid to receive it because we don't know 
we don't know that it's familiar. We don't know what it feels like. We don't know what it seems to be like or what it's supposed to be like for us. And that gets that gets hard. It gets hard, especially if you've had trauma growing up and you don't know what safety actually feels like. And I feel like it's different for everybody. And that's why it's um, that's why it's hard to be able to tangibly put tangibly touch it right or if that makes sense well that kind of doesn't make sense but if you can actually you can't actually feel it the same way that somebody else feels it and that's why it's so different for everybody and what was it like for you creating that safety in business to be yourself like did you struggle in the beginning to trust that it was okay to show up yes definitely so it was so hard for me um in the beginning I actually had an Instagram account that I was trying to use to push my business forward because I didn't want to actually get on Facebook and share my story. I was so scared of people on Facebook because people on Facebook actually knew who I was. And so I was really scared to share that story. And um, I had so much shame around my story still that I was afraid to tell anybody anything. And so I was constantly hiding on Instagram. Um, and I was only like sharing my story of like being postpartum and stuff like that. And it wasn't moving my business forward at all. And I was getting so frustrated. And then I started to work with a coach and she really, I went with, uh, went through timeline therapy with her and that was really helpful. Um, when I released a lot of shame, that's when it, I felt more comfortable about showing up and showing people who I was. Um, but until that moment, I was just so scared of myself. I wasn't even scared of success or failure at that point. I was scared to like see myself and I struggled with it for a long time. I think I was about a year postpartum. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need to get on Facebook because Instagram it works, but I was like, but it's not getting me the traction and the, the clients that I wanted and needed. And so I just decided that I needed to switch to Facebook. And then even then, when I switched to Facebook, I still very much hid and avoided working with women with trauma because I was so scared. I didn't feel safe sharing my story. I was doing whatever it took to avoid sharing that part of me, even though it was the deepest part of me. So I was just scared and I didn't feel safe to be vulnerable and share any of my deep secrets, if you will. And so finally, I don't know what happened, but it was like six months later. Oh, I do know what happened. I got this crazy message from Aubrey's dad that said we had gone to court. And um, I had really was still healing and really stepping into my power at this point. But we, this would be the second time that we had to go to court. And he sent me this message and he, they stuck it to him in court. That's the best way to describe it. And he sent me this message about you're a fraud. And I hope that everybody that you ever work with knows and you're lying to people and the most like successful thing you've ever done is get knocked up by some guy with a good job or whatever. And it really hurt my feelings. I was really triggered by it. 
after that had happened, uh, it took me out of work for like a week. I stopped posting. I stopped doing these, you know, the things that I was supposed to be doing. And I just started to like reflect and analyze everything. And of course he struck a chord because I had, I have felt like a fraud. I didn't feel like I was successful enough to help women with what I was doing at that point, which was help successful women get unstuck. And so with that moment of him telling me that, and I spent a week analyzing my life and my business, I was like, I'm going to help women heal from trauma. And when I finally decided that I was really going to do that, that's when everything shifted for me. That's when I all of a sudden like felt safe enough to show up. I felt um, okay with sharing my story. I mean, I was constantly sharing my story. I showed up in big ways and started to land clients back to back. So it changed a great deal when I realized that um, I needed to stop avoiding my true passion and my true calling. And when I did that, that's when I really started to feel safe with my whole, my whole business and showing up. And I just started showing up way differently after that, way differently. Did you find that your marketing change or the people you were attracting was changing? Uh, yes, it did change a great deal um, because I did start working with women who had had second, uh, sexual trauma specifically um, because, you know, that's, that's where the root of a lot of my trauma is. So, and I was talking about that and sharing that. And so they, so my clients did change from women that were professional and needed to, and not that the women that I wasn't working, that I, that, that shift, when I shifted, they were professionals too, but I was marketing specifically towards women professionals. Whereas when I shifted into helping women with trauma, it, to me, it didn't matter if they were stay-at-home moms it didn't matter if they were you know SVPs owning a business like it didn't matter to me and so I actually started working with a variety of of women because that changed and it felt so much more natural to me because again at that point in time I didn't feel like I had a successful business so I really did feel like a fraud when I was talking to these successful women that were stuck. I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't know how to, how to market to them. And so when I shifted into the other part of it, into helping women with trauma, it became talking about what I did was more natural. It was more of a conversation than it was of like, this is my marketing piece. This is the script. This is, you know, X, Y, and Z, and everything is done perfectly when I shifted into helping trauma, it's like, this is my story. I can help you. I know how to help you. If you want to work with me, then you want to work with me. If you don't, you don't. When you were saying that powerful story, it reminded me of yesterday where I had a woman who wouldn't stop bothering me at Starbucks and I was just trying to get my work done. My baby is too young to stay with my husband for a long period of time without me having to show up home again right away. So she saw me and she was triggered and she started um, saying all these things that were just like, didn't make any sense to me. 
And it was me realizing that I now had this ability to separate myself from the world and realize that other people are triggered and their triggers aren't for me to take on. She was saying things like, are you even with your baby daddy still? She wanted to give me her number to make sure I was fine. She told me to take care of my baby. My baby was sleeping the whole time at Starbucks. So none of it made sense to me, but I realized that she was just triggered in her own way. And that had nothing to do with me. Have you realized that you're able to do that now too? the separation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel, and that's weird that she was saying that stuff to you. Obviously she was triggered, like you said, but yes, you have to get really good at separating your own personal stuff from other people's stuff. So, and I get, I mean, when you put yourself out there, and I know for some of us, that's really scary, but when you put yourself out there, especially online, someone always has something to say about it. And you're just kind of like, okay, well, this has nothing to do with what it is that you're talking about. Um, people like they just say really interesting things. Like I've been called a fake therapist and I've never claimed to be a therapist. I don't, we don't have to go on that tangent, but I don't really agree with the system and how that, how that works. So I've never even tried to say that I've been a therapist. Um, I've been called a narcissist before. Um, you know, people get mad when you speak against what they believe and you have this following and people want to go off on how you're supposed to think and you're supposed to feel and act and you're not supposed to say certain things because you work in the mental health industry or whatever the case is and they think that you're supposed to walk on these eggshells because they have to walk on eggshells and what they don't understand is that just because you have to live your life like that just because you've chosen to do for whatever reason doesn't mean that the rest of us have to walk around like that and so you have to get you have to get really good at being able to separate that stuff otherwise it's going to hurt you um, and you're going to spend more time dealing with other people's stuff and triggers than you are dealing with your own stuff that you don't have to when people are triggered you're allowed to let them be triggered and be in their own feelings and their own anger and sadness and whatever else they have going on just because they said something to you doesn't mean that you're meant to pick it up and i learned that really quick because um especially uh this last year when my one group grew so big and people were constantly saying things and it's just like, I don't have time to deal with everybody being triggered because I said something that's against the norm. So it just, you have to learn how to do it really fast. Otherwise you spend your whole time dealing with other people's triggers or being hurt by other people's triggers. And most of the time it never has anything to do with you at all. It's just how they perceive the world and perceived your comment. And there's a whole number of things that go behind it. They could have been having a bad day. Something could have set them off. It could have been the energy. It's just, and we don't, um, we don't want to pick it up like it's ours because people get set off by anything and everything. Yeah. I mean, as a mom, you learn that right away too. Like everyone has something to say all the time or to suggest, suggest to you. And it's like, um, I'm not struggling. <laughs> you want to help with something. There's other things. Yeah. People, um, the mom situation 
is interesting because everybody, it doesn't matter who they are, everybody has something to say with the way that you parent, the way that you don't parent, whether or not you're breastfeeding or you are breast, you're not breastfeeding, whether or not, you know, you give your kids organic or don't give them organic. It's like, as long as my kid is healthy and I'm not beating the crap out of them, then, you know, I feel like they're going to be okay. Now I know that, and especially like in the industry with, you know, we know now that there's certain things that we are meant to do for our kids emotionally and mentally, like be there for them and hold space for them and stuff like that. But we also have to keep in mind that we as adults are still healing and still learning. We're not going to be perfect at this stuff. So it's not like, you know, there's bad, I don't want to say this, but there are, there are bad people that do bad things to their kids. Of course there are, but generally for the most part, most mothers love their children and they're just trying to provide them what's best just because we have an idea that is different from one another what that might be doesn't mean that we get to run around telling people how they're supposed to be raising their kids it's so obnoxious I completely agree I've seen so much of it it's like I have a suggestion box in front of me every time I go somewhere (laughs) yeah I can just imagine I can just imagine Obviously, because you're doing your own self-practice, you're not giving people um, like drugs to take. And we have, I know people will hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say it because I've been there. I've been there through birth control. I've been there through depression and anxiety of taking pills. And all they did, because our society is about numbing things down rather than feeling and moving through them. And did you have the same experience where you tried taking some drugs and you tried so many different ones and all it did was make you more anxious. All it did was give you all those symptoms that you hear in commercials that look happy and whatnot, but they really aren't. I have to, I took birth control for a really long time. Um, I had been taking birth control since I was 17 and it was to quote unquote, fix my periods that it did work for a while. And then um, they stopped working. And so I stopped taking them because I hated birth control. They made me crazy. Um, I put on weight like crazy. I hated birth control. Um, I thought about going on antidepressants a lot, um, but I never actually followed through with it because I was always the type of person that, you know, we grew up that if, if you don't need a pill, there's nothing wrong with you you just continue to hide it. And then when I was postpartum, I was going to traditional therapy. And by I mean traditional therapy, I'm just saying, you know, I went into the, ther- the therapist's office and talked to them about, you know, whatever was going on. And she tried to tell me that I needed to go on antidepressants and that I needed to tell my, um, my lady doctor. And <clears throat> I didn't agree with that. I've always watched people be on be on um, pills and it just never really sat well with me I've never like really wanted to take them at all and luckily I had been working with someone else like um, she was a she was soul, soul shaman and so she told me you know that she didn't think that I needed antidepressants that, and but that was her personal opinion you know to talk to the lady doctor and see what she said 
And the lady doctor was like, I'm not putting you on it. You have a very, very unique set of circumstances that most women that are postpartum don't have to deal with. She was like, unless you can seriously tell me that you feel like you need to go on these pills, I'm not going to put them on. I'm not going to put you on them because they're going to make things worse. So I said no to the pills. But then I tried to put uh, Nexoplan, I think it is, I hope I said that correctly, in my arm because I didn't want to deal with taking a pill anymore. I didn't want to um, like be on birth control anymore. And so it was like the lowest dose of hormones that they could give me. And like within a week, and I know that this is going to be crazy because we try to we try not to talk about this as mothers, but like within a week, I was like, I think, I think I might've been three months postpartum at this point within the week of them putting that birth control in my arms, I was having suicidal thoughts and homicidal thoughts and my baby wasn't sleeping. And so I'm freaking out and I'm a single mom and I'm crying and trying and, you know, you're freaking out and you're trying not to put your hands on the baby because you, you, you physically and mentally and emotionally know better, but you've got all these thoughts running in your head because the baby won't go to sleep. Well, I called the doctor, I think within a few days, because I really started to like scare myself. And I told them they had to pull it out. I told them, I didn't tell them the other part about me feeling like I was going to hurt my baby. I just told them that I had suicidal thoughts because I didn't want them to take, I didn't want them to take my baby. They pulled them, they pulled the birth control out of my arm. Within 24 hours, I was like, whatever normal for me was at that point, I was back to normal. And I couldn't believe what I was dealing with and how I was just thinking like, how could they have told me that I needed antidepressants and then put me on this birth control that who knows how it would have reacted with, with the anti, with the antidepressants. And I'm just thinking like all these moms that believe that there's something wrong with them because, you know, they may not be connecting with their child. They might be going through a hard time because of postpartum and their circumstances. And they were like, here, let's just put you on birth control. Let's just put you on these antidepressants and hope for the best. And then we're wondering why we see so many moms snap or freak out or not be able to come back from postpartum. And it's because we continue to just give them stuff to numb through whatever it is that they're feeling. And it's like postpartum, to me, postpartum was harder than labor. Okay, I'd go through labor again in a heartbeat before I'd go through postpartum again. It's so hard. The adjustment is hard. And so I can't imagine trying to give someone antidepressants or give them birth control to try to solve whatever problems or, or issues that they're currently going through when even though, yes, it's hard, the best thing for any woman to do is just go through the motions because eventually you do come out of it. As someone in postpartum right now, I totally understand everything you're saying. They really do push the birth control on you. And I'm, I am trying my best to just get through. I know it's supposed to be like about six months until you get back to normal again, as far as the hormones go. So I really appreciate everything that you said. It's so important that people hear that however you're feeling that you just started the birth control, that it can not be you. It can be something else. 
But some of us still have to learn to trust our body as you were talking about. And we have to realize that our body is speaking to us. And if you keep numbing and numbing that down, you're going to miss all the signals that can help you to help you to heal. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't, and we can do that. We can't, it doesn't even need to just be with like a birth control or pills. It can be with alcohol. It can be with drugs. It can be with social media, shopping, gambling, but there we have a whole slew of options that we utilize to numb ourselves. And we don't even realize that that's what we're actually doing because it's so much part of our society to not feel and to not deal that we don't think twice when people are scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. I don't even know what's out there anymore for hours on hours. And we don't we don't think about it. But in the truth is, is that we are using that as a numbing agent, just because it's not something that you physically put in your body doesn't mean that it's not preventing you from being able to deal with life and deal with your body and with healing signals and it creating anxiety and doing all these things that we think that are normal. But the truth is, is that they're absolutely not. No, they're not normal at all. And you made me realize the thing I was trying to think about the other day. And it's um, some of us go online looking for ourselves outside and we need to do that work within, like you're talking about the journaling. It's like we use Facebook as divination in a way. Like, am I enough? Like, am I doing enough? Like, what does the world think? You start doing it with your business too. And you're like, which way should I go? And stuff like that. And then you're doing what you see other people wanting and it's not even aligned with you. Like, have you struggled with that, um, looking for alignment outside rather than within with your business and relationships? Yeah, definitely. Actually, this is, it's interesting that you brought that up because I I didn't know until the last year that every time I, this is what I would do. I would have these beautiful, creative downloads and ideas. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. This feels so good to me. And then, of course, I have business coaches that would tell me, no, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You have this program. You're supposed to post, um, you're supposed to promote your program. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. And so because I felt like I didn't know any better or that, you know, she she's successful. So. I need to do what she says, I would allow myself to be completely talked out of doing these things that I really wanted to do. And then like, I would um, experience like, I would lose clients, or I would um, be dry, like with clients for a long time. And I wouldn't understand what was going on. And it's because I would always listen to somebody else and how they were doing their business instead of listening to myself and trusting myself and being in alignment and doing what feels good I would just be like well they said and so if that's what they said then that's got to be that's got to be true and then I couldn't understand why things weren't successful or why I wasn't feeling good about being in business and things like that and so what I got good at was that, first of all, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to encourage anybody to do this because 
there is of course strategy behind what we do with marketing and and selling and things like that yes of course but i ditched anybody and everybody that um, was about selling in business or was like a business coach, anybody that was not like spiritual, quote unquote, they didn't like do that stuff in their business. I stopped following them. I stopped, um, I um, unsubscribed from all of their stuff so that I would stop being, um, I guess, I don't want to say manipulated because that's not necessarily true. But I didn't want to be uh, led another direction in the way that I was headed. So I stopped following anybody business wise. And every time I, something felt good, every time that was the program I wanted to do, I followed it. And even still to this day, there's some things where I go outside of me and I start thinking like, this is a really good idea. And then of course, then my business comes at a standstill. And then I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I'm like, of course, because I am doing what other people have done that have worked for them. Well, that's great. It's worked for them. It doesn't necessarily work for me. So we have to remember to hone that back in and to trust that I know how to deliver um, what my audience wants and needs, but also what feels good to me and what's in alignment for me. Because to me, being in alignment and being able to deliver on what feels good in my business is the ultimate form of healing because I've spent so much time ignoring myself and not trusting myself that to be able to lead by example of trusting myself and trusting my alignment and where I'm at is exactly what I want people to to learn and trust themselves to be able to do instead of always doing this cookie cutter stuff that doesn't every doesn't always work for everybody it never worked for me so why was it why am I going to try to tell someone that works with me that x y and z is exactly how it works well it's never actually worked that way for me so I always try to let people know I lead with intuition. I lead with guidance and alignment. And to me, that's the ultimate form of healing because that means that I have to get really good at trusting myself and trusting that I'm good enough and trusting that I'll be supported and trusting in my abilities. And when I do that stuff, it always works out. It always works out. When I do the opposite, I always end up, you know, being mad at myself. Why did I do that? Why did I go outside of myself? So anytime that you can trust yourself, anytime that you can come back to yourself and be in alignment, the better off you're going to be always. So something that came up for me too, in the conversation was how, you know, we didn't have Facebook years ago. We didn't have all these things to compare ourselves to the idea that um, enough or success looks like a certain thing. And as you were going into, it can look different for each person, whatever you need to do. Right. And it can, it can look different for each person. It can look wildly different from one person to the next. No one, just because it worked for this one person doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work for you. And you're absolutely right. Facebook did not exist, you know, just a few years ago in the capacity that it does today where you're constantly watching people 
and wondering why things aren't working out for you. And it's just because we're so focused on how it's working for other people rather than are we feeling successful today right here in this moment with whatever progress we've created in our lives. Like for me, I don't really want a big house someday. I grew up in a big house. It's a lot of maintenance, a lot to clean and stuff like that. But then you look online or you look on um, like see what your high school friends have and stuff like that, or they, um, you know, they got married before they had a kid and all these things. And you start judging yourself and you're like, I did it all in the wrong order. I was pregnant while I got married and all this stuff. It's just like absolutely ridiculous when what's enough and what's right for you is completely fine. You don't have to want certain things. You don't have to want to be this manager or something like that if you don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I feel like because we've been conditioned to do everything, um, you know, the traditional way where you go to high school, then you go to college, and then you get married or you have a job, then you get married. And then you buy a house and then you have kids and then you live happily ever after. And I don't know about you, but it never went that way for me. Um, you know, I don't, I've never, I don't want to say I've never been married because that's not true. But I, you know, the guy that I was married to, I did not have a child with. And then I got divorced from him. And then like, I don't know, like almost 10 years later, I had a kid so and then I didn't finish school um until gosh when did I finish school I think in like 2016 I finally had my bachelor's degree and I had gone to school like on and off for 10 plus years so it's just weird to me that we continue to we do and it's not weird to me I 100% get why we do it we judge ourselves against people's traditional route that we've all been conditioned into believing that you're supposed to follow and it's you don't have to follow it at all if you don't want to and I get asked this a little tangent but I get asked like what am I going to do with Aubrey's future and I'm like whatever Aubrey wants I don't not going to tell her that she has to go to a to school the traditional way and I'm not going to not tell her that she that she you know doesn't need a college education. I'm just going to tell her and encourage her whatever she wants, so that she doesn't have to spend ten years trying to figure out who she is. Because we've been conditioned to believe that at 18 you're supposed to know who you are and what it is that you want from life. And it's like, well, I don't know about you, but I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. So we, I feel like we continue to condition people into that traditional route and then because you didn't follow it or I didn't follow it but we have friends that did that means that we instantly go into judgment and comparison and it's like well we don't even know are they happy are they really that successful or is that what they're just posting on Facebook for everybody to believe that they are Yes, I was about to say that Facebook's pretty narcissistic when you think about it. Then there's people like us that have been through so much trauma that we're okay with spilling out our soul and being completely honest. And I know like some people can't deal with us doing that because it's their own triggers, as we said before. Yeah, a lot of uh, most people 
on any type of social media outlet are just posting what they want you to see. And, and it's, I mean, it's the same for us in this, in an extent where we're only sharing glimpses and bits and pieces of it that might necessarily work for our marketing or whatever it is that we're doing. It's just a little bit more vulnerable when we're share when we share and we're not as superficial. Like I don't care if I'm wearing makeup or whatever. I don't, I love to get dressed up and do that. So of course most of my pictures are, but we do have a tendency to only post what other people we think we want other people to see and things like that and then when people do get triggered um they struggle with that because you are hitting nerves you're you're touching on things that number one they didn't expect to ever see but number two they don't know how to deal with it like my look when i first started well it was a few it was three months i think after i had really transitioned into helping women with trauma my little brother, who's, uh, he's 24, I think, he started to have an issue with how much I was showing up on Facebook and talking about stuff. And of course, you know, when your family that's that close to you say things, and they hurt. But it's also like, at the same time, it's like, that's, this is not my stuff. Like, this is whatever it is that you're dealing with, and whatever you have to deal with. And so we think that it's going to come from these um, people that we've known from like high school or from wherever that are going to be triggered, but sometimes doing it, it comes from our family and we don't even realize that we're, we're triggering them because we don't realize they're even watching us. And then, and then, then they say things and then you're like, oh yeah, you guys are watching me. I actually had that happen with a family member. And then years later, I realized, oh, that person is in a relationship that is narcissistic and they didn't want to see the truth. And I stopped showing up for no reason in that capacity when the truth is that out of my darkness came my light and that can happen for anyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I agree. I feel like the more that we talk about what's happened in our lives, as far as the darkness goes, the more people are going to be open to the light when it comes to them. Um, unfortunately, it takes a lot of triggering and seed planting and doing all of that stuff. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the only way people to come out of this darkness is for them to understand that we are a resonant match for the things that put us into emotional turmoil for a reason. And it's not the other person. It's never the other person. It's always you. It's always you. There's not another option. It's always you. What comes up for me as I hear this is I think about my presentation coming up on Caridwen. She's a Welsh goddess. And what she teaches us is about um, magic, witchcraft, transformation, allowing the cycles in life to take place, moving through them with grace. And she, um, in the story, has a son who is representing the nighttime, the darkness, who's not very bright, who's not very beautiful at all. And she creates a spell that she takes care of for an entire year and one day that she's putting all the herbs in it. She's putting enough water. She hires two people to help her to work on the spell. And one of those people steals the spell in different stories. She steals it and others. It's an accident. And all it was is that there was three drops in that cauldron that were 
going to create the transformation and the rest of it was just going to become poison. Well, when we talk about triggers, it makes me think that the three drops is our chance to have a transformation, to become that person we always wanted through a trigger that came up as a gift for us, or you had the choice to mull in it, stay in those feelings, and to have it poison us and to cause us to feel stuck and terrible and awful about ourselves. It's just something I came to terms with as we had this conversation is that's what that means. So I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, I actually really like that metaphor, if you will, because it is up to us. We we do, we might have, you know, this perfect recipe, which we all essentially do have this perfect recipe. And while we're stirring the pot to make the perfect recipe, we get to decide, you know, we get to decide, are we going to, are we going to continue to, um, you know, live in this poison or are we going to stir it another way and let it be magic? So I just feel like, I feel like that's great. I feel like it's a great analogy. It's a great metaphor. And I feel like it's actually really perfect for the conversation that we've had this entire time. Something else I wanted to dive into is how you can have a narcissistic relationship with a parent. And then we know that they show up in our romantic relationships because that's also love in both that we're looking for acceptance. We don't realize that sometimes they show up in our jobs. I know I had um, the one manager at a restaurant that I had who called his wife an unspeakable name and I couldn't believe that happened and it was just so much trauma I felt like working there that was being flared up in a way because it was so toxic and like you couldn't really talk about things a lot of name calling it was eggshells all over and over again did you experience anything like that um I can definitely relate to the boss situation um, I did have a very interesting boss that was very much like the devil's wear Prada. And I had to always walk on eggshells and you had to do everything perfectly. And it was, she was a hot mess. And I didn't understand then at the time that it was because she had some serious stuff that she had not dealt with. And I didn't actually, I didn't understand that at the time. I know that now, um, but without her actually um, being like that, I would have never had had my professional life and my personal life fall apart at the same time and put me into these episodes of depression and anxiety. Um, so without her, I wouldn't have actually like healed. So that's actually, we can actually segment, segment into the alignment question with that, because if she wouldn't have um, been the person that she was, and that I went into those, that depression and that anxiety, um, I wouldn't have started healing. And then I wouldn't have gone to like, get my master's degree in um, organizational development, I'd probably be like an SVP right now. And I'd probably be on my way to being the corporate CEO, like that was the whole plan. But my plan, and what was actually in alignment to me was very two different things. And I'm actually really glad that I didn't even follow through with that other part of it, because it was not who I am at all and I know that now um, but I feel like healing creates the alignment 
because we, without it, we don't really know who we are. We don't know how to trust ourselves. We don't really know what alignment is. We just kind of allow things to kind of fall into our lap and we just kind of respond based on that. When you're in alignment, you do things very much out of joy because it feels good to you and because you know that that's right. And, and, and what I mean by like, you know that it's right is that you know in your heart, not in your mind, you know in your heart that this is what's good for you. This is what you're meant to be doing. And if you don't have, if you don't have your nervous system reset and rewired into safety, you'll never be able to open up your heart enough to allow it to lead. Our minds are not supposed to be leading anything. They are supposed to be communicating for us. And we have given them so much, our minds so much control over our lives that they run the show. And yet they distort information all the time. They um, give us this false sense of safety that they're not supposed to be doing in the first place. And so we think that thinking is the answer when in reality, we are supposed to be leading with our hearts, leading with alignment, doing what feels good for us, not what we should or shouldn't be doing according to some BS conditioning that we've picked up from our society and from our parents, because this is the way things are supposed to be done. And then what you realize is that the more and more you go against the travel or that you, the more you go on your own path, I really should say, and, and not the path of society, the more and more happier you are, the more and more, um, you know, present you are, the more and more safe you are, the more and more you love life. Whereas before you're just kind of on autopilot and you just do, just do whatever you do what you think you're supposed to be doing and you pretend that you're happy. And some people are, I'm not going to act like there's not some people out there that aren't happy, but most of us are not happy living that life. And we don't realize that when you hop over to this path, less, less traveled, things change. Everything changes. You come into what I call your remembrance. And it's where your, your mind, body, and your soul are all on board with what it is that you're doing. And so you don't experience things like self-sabotage and comparison and judgment and things like that. You're just like, this is who I am. I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm a human and I'm going to have bad days and I'm going to judge myself and I'm going to do these things. Yes, but it's not so over the top to the point where it's going to drag me back or take me away from what it is that I really want. And I feel like that's what true alignment is about. It's about remembrance of who you are, mind, body, and soul. I love that. It's a reminder to you that we can be our own heaven or, or our own hell. We have a choice in that and in what we play with that. And it reminds me too of when I used to be in that victim mindset. And a lot of people didn't like this. I used to have a group on narcissistic abuse, healing through it. Instead of victims of narcissistic abuse, I had victors of narcissistic abuse. Not everyone got the point. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they I, I'm sure you can see what they thought it meant. But um, let me see where I was going here. I'm sorry. Um, so we can get lost in this cycle of blame and thinking that people 
have it better than us, that they're so lucky that, you know, things like that can't happen for us. Did you struggle with that too, where you just felt like everyone was so blessed you could never have that? Um, I did, I did for a while, um, because when I was, when I was working in corporate, like my life seemed so perfect on the outside. So, so sometimes I, there was, uh, and I'll, I'll just answer this. It doesn't, there was a part of me that wanted to go back to being on autopilot because when I was on autopilot, I just worked for the money and worked for the money and worked for the money and everything seemed to like everything worked out okay. I had my house that I had bought, my car that was paid off, you know, just making money. And then that was like my only concern. And then when I became aware and switched out of the victim mindset, if you will, into like more healing and taking radical responsibility of my life, I started to, I started to realize like, well, how come I can't live like these people that are present and happy and seem like everything is great all the time. And, and I did go into the comparison like that, but it was more of things that were like not materialistic. It was always like, well, they always seem really happy. How come I'm not always happy? Or they always seem like everything is working out for them. How come it's not working out for them? Whereas before when I was still asleep or on autopilot, I didn't like really care. And so sometimes I wish I, and not now, but when I was having inner conflict all the time, I wish that I could like go back and switch the autopilot on and pretend that I was fine and just go back to the way things were. But once you turn that switch on, there's no, you can't go back. There's not an option. I know what you mean. It was just purely just existing before. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to go over your offers coming up that you have. You have your challenge coming up, right? Yes. Yes, I do. I have the seen and heard challenge um, that starts next week. I'm really excited about it. Um, The seen and heard challenge is all about the energetics around safety, around actually showing up for yourself and for your business. Um, We don't necessarily go into the strategy. Of course, that kind of stuff is going to get talked about because everybody wants to talk about the strategy part of it because that's easy, but I'm trying to create um, awareness and energetics around safety, around people showing up to be seen and heard so that they can have a successful business. Because if you don't feel safe uh, showing up or being seen and heard, then you're going to do things like not fully show up. Um, You're going to self-sabotage. You're going to, you know, make excuses like, well, I don't really know what to post. I don't know these things. So we're really going to dive deep into the energetics and the safety around um, being seen and heard so that we can have flourishing businesses. Oh yeah. That's what I'm missing. I forgot to ask you where to find you online. Um, You can find me. um, My website is as free as you see.com as well as on my Facebook is as free as you see. Um, You can also 
the best way I feel like to get a hold of me or to get access to me is actually with my Facebook group and it's um, Healing for Women Entrepreneurs. Are there any other launches you wanted to talk about or any events? Um, I don't have anything else coming up um, per se, just my challenge other than my eight week program that uh, that's what I work one to one with with my clients. And we go through and reset and rewire your nervous system. We um, help you shift your mindset and open your heart so that you can let go of anything that's holding you back so that you can show up and be all of you and thrive in your business. What I really love is that you throw in the spiritual in there and so many programs are missing that I feel like as far as normal world where we just run autopilot, we don't really bring that in. Yeah, I love to bring the spiritual aspects into it because I feel like it's one of the most important aspects that we tend to miss because um, when we think of spirituality, we feel like it's going to be very controversial with religion. And then we're going to have this debate about spirituality and religion. And for me, it's not like that. Spirituality is very much about being. And so when I use, use it in that concept, it gives the results of the program. The results are just so much more, I guess, I don't want to say unbelievable because I don't want to say that, but it gives it maximum results because we are playing in that aspect. Whereas with others, um, you know, we almost beat around it and then we're missing that aspect that is really crucial to being able to move on and heal and, and let go and trust ourselves. Have you been feeling held back by the trauma in your life, wondering why did this happen to me? Well, that trauma is actually a gift in some form that is meant for you to unwrap and discover what your purpose is in this lifetime. If you want to find out what that is, then you should go join me in Angela's challenge over in her Facebook group. So check out the links below. I hope to see you there. Have an amazing week. And check me out in Foxhole this week. I will be going into how to work with Odin and some other things as well. So enjoy your week. Love.